0: Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of the Hot Pulp podcast. I'm joined today by Jordan. She is a pediatric dentist from America. Uh, How are you doing today?
1: Good, how are you?
0: Great, thanks. Um, Yeah, I'm just really enjoying getting these interviews going and seeing what everyone's doing and what everyone's getting up to. So uh, what have you been up to today? What's your day been like?
1: Today's actually my... day so I'm not at work today which has been kind of nice so I've just been doing errands and boring things like
0: that <laughs> nothing too interesting all right so is- you, you kind of have like a, a rest day in the middle of the week yeah that's that's pretty good so the first things we usually ask on this podcast or I'm going to be asking is what's the first thing that got you interested in dentistry maybe not the first time you knew you were going to do it but the first time you're like oh, I, I might consider that as a career
1: Sure. Um, so I've always had an interest in healthcare. My mom's in there, so I always knew I wanted to do something in the healthcare field. Um, but when I went to college, I went to college in a very rural area and spent time in a free clinic down there. And there, um, I got to see a lot of patients who were really affected by dental disease, and that dental disease then really affected their overall health. So that was kind of the first time I saw what an impact yeah. dental health has over, over your whole health. And that kind of opened my eyes to it.
0: So um, just for clarification for guys from kind of the UK and other places, mm-hmm. the American system, you go to college first as like yeah. an undergrad sort of thing, and then you decide what you're going to do afterwards. So mm-hmm. is that kind of useful, do you think? or Because us guys, we have to decide about 14, 15, what we're going to do, and we go oh. ahead and go for it. Whereas you guys got a, a, a bit more time to kind of find out what you are as a person before you dive down kind of the, this is what I'm going to be sort of route.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know if at 14 or 15, if I would have necessarily picked dentistry as my healthcare field profession. So I think it was good to have those experiences in college. I know some programs um, in America, like especially pharmacy programs, not at 14 or 15, but they're starting, you do two years of college and then you enter the pharmacy program. So I don't know if dentistry in America will do that, but, um, you know. I think it was good for me to have those four years to kind of make sure that was really what I wanted to do and get those experiences in. But I don't know. I yeah, can so... imagine keeping at
0: 14. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we kind of, you, you know, you're going to have to pick. So you really think about it quite early over here. So it is a bit of a difference in mm-hmm. kind of schooling, I suppose. Um, so what was that firm kind of moment where you were like, I'm not going to do medicine. I'm not going to do X, Y, Z, and you're like, this is definitely it. I'm going to apply.
1: Again, the the free clinic was a, a eye-opening experience. And then here in America, we have events called Mission of Mercy because, unfortunately, the way dental insurance is covered is it's not really kind of a benefit. It doesn't cover too much, especially if you're an adult. So I went to one of those, and there were lines of people for a day and a half before the event camping out just to... Um, see if they could have the possibility of getting one thing done, like one tooth pulled or one filling done. Um, and that kind of really inspired me to want to go into dentistry to help people because there's you know, a big need for it, but also work with um, populations that may have trouble affording dental care. So that's kind of what led me to picking where I want to go to dental school, residency and things like that, was um, trying to help out people who otherwise may not be able to get treatment.
0: So kind of like almost an emergency clinic you're working out just helping people get out of pain and kind of not much more than that. Right. Not dealing Mm -hmm. with all the other underlying issues and education, et cetera, et cetera, getting on top of things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. How do you find that kind of affects your workflow as this kind of insurance system? We don't have that over here. Everyone's entitled to that basic level of care, removing caries, periodontal disease, you know, teeth that need to be extracted, get extracted and... You know, Within reason, there is something we can do for everyone to get them right. kind of dentally fit. Um, is that something that really affects the American population, do you think?
1: I think more so adults and especially adults with um, possible, you know, special health care needs. For children, at least in Maryland, it varies state by state. So the state that I live in has really good dental coverage for children. Um, up until age I think it's 21 Um, and for pregnant mothers up to a a certain point but for adults um, and adults that kind of who have special needs who age out of the children's program it's very difficult to get um, things covered. I think they cover things like cleanings um, and tooth extractions but maybe not much too much more than that for public um, like state insurance. Private insurance it's a little bit different so it kind of just all depends on what insurance you have which is unfortunate.
0: Right. So is there different kind of levels or types of insurance in America?
1: Uh, Yes. So there's state-run insurance, which covers, you know, a lot of things for children, basically everything for children. Um, And there's state-level insurance for adults that covers things like cleanings and tooth extractions. But then um, depending on what company you work, they work with different private insurance companies. And so what each private insurance company covers is a little bit different. Um, which can get
0: confusing at times. Yeah, that's, I'm already getting a little bit confused, but it, yeah, it's, it's, so basically you've got quite a very basic <laughs> level of care. Topic. Yeah, so a very basic level of care and then anything maybe a little bit more complex or interesting, shall we say, is uh, more on the private side of things or private right. insurance-based sort of things. So, right. Okay, well, I'm moving on from that because I'm definitely <laughs> going to get really, really confused there. Um, is it different to what you'd expected kind of going into dental school? I know you've kind of come from a different side of things for us. We're just like, Oh, I want to be a dentist. And we do a couple of weeks of work experience and you kind of just watch. Um, and then you dive into a five year program. There's two years of lectures and then three years on the clinics. And I like, oh, that's, this isn't what I expected. I didn't, didn't realize we had to do X, Y, Z and that sort of thing. Um, Did you find the same sort of thing? Were you kind of more prepared to what the actual job's going to be like?
1: Um, I think yes and no. I think, you know, I did the same things with shadowing, but you're never really prepared for what it's going to be like until you have, you know, that first patient in your Mm. chair and you have to go through all of the kind of motions and everything with it i think i um wasn't prepared about how much i feel like i still have patients that i still think about you know their treatment plans and what i could have done better or what i could have done differently so i think um from that standpoint that wasn't what i expected to have such a i guess emotional connection with dentistry mm. and also back when i was applying the technology and things and the pace that dentistry is moving um, especially, you know, general dentists with implants and things like that. We don't really do that in pediatric dentistry. It's just, I feel like, moving so quickly right now. Um, that's something I wouldn't have necessarily anticipated.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, we're quite a fast-paced sort of group, mm-hmm. I think. We like to pick up the new, newest and snazziest sort of <laughs> little bits of kit and then realize it's not much <laughs> use and try the next thing until you get something that right. kind of works. Um, so were there any kind of weird alternative careers that you thought about kind of beforehand and, you know, when you went into that undergrad sort of college life thinking, oh, I might, I might do this or that, or were you always helpful?
1: So, so this is why I probably, I don't know if I would have picked dentistry at 14, or 15, for a brief moment when I was a teenager, I really, really wanted to be a wedding planner. I don't know why, because I've not, even when I planned my own wedding, and I wasn't that involved in it, but I really wanted to be one. So it's probably... Have you
0: watched the wedding planner? Is that...
1: <laughs> it might have been i don't yeah. know um but that was a very brief moment in time when i was like i yeah. don't think i'd be good at that <laughs> but nothing too weird just randomly that
0: how do you kind of find dental school then? because it's obviously uh quite an intense course you you kind of get thrown straight into it don't you um was your course structured and what were the kind of the highlights and lowlights as it were
1: Um, so I went to school at University of Maryland, which um we do two years um didactic training. Um you know, you have your anatomy courses, your basic sciences, some time in the clinic just shadowing, and you have your two years of clinical experience. Um I would say it was an overall good experience. We are right in the heart of Baltimore, which is the major city here in Maryland. So our patient pool, we have a very diverse patient pool, which was good. Um, We also had a special needs clinic right in our school, which was really good. So we got to work with a lot of medically complex patients, which is really good experience going out. And then our school has a big research component. I wasn't involved in research, but you know, you're kind of around it. So you stay up to date on the latest technology and things like that, which I thought was a plus of the program that I wasn't really expecting when I first started there.
0: All right, so it's quite similar to what we did. So we had five year course, Um, The first kind of 18 months in were very heavily theory-based. It was just anatomy, physiology, all that kind of stuff. And then we had a good four or five months of intense kind of simulation work on the phantom heads, um, doing stuff there. And then from that start of the third year, then you're on clinics kind of increasingly more and more, different types of clinics and... So quite similar, I think, actually. So not mm-hmm. as different as maybe I was expecting, but interesting to know how, how you guys did as well. Um, what were your kind of your, yeah? What were, your, what were your best memories from dental school? Like anything that sticks out, you know, funny or just kind of like a really good moment or something.
1: Um. Just being with friends in general, we would all study at the law library, but I had a group of guy friends that would like to prank us a lot, which was nice because it would de-stress. So we would be setting up for a patient in clinic and they would pop out from behind a wall and scare us or we'd be studying late into the night at the library and they scare us then. So that was kind of something that was fun, silly and kind of dumb, but it kind of helped to de-stress things and, um, you know, give everyone a good laugh mm-hmm. and things like that. So just spending friends least... with friends. <laughs>
0: Keeping it a bit loose and kind of what was your <laughs> big big kind of like maybe the, the worst kind of part of dental school? What did you find the most difficult?
1: For me in dental school, it probably was kind of the long hours in the sim lab. I remember we had one denture lab where you had mm. kind of like a 24-hour denture practice on how to turn it in the next 24 day. 24 hours?
0: So like well, you Well, it was like a
1: very, very short amount of time to like make this denture. And I think I was in the lab from 7 a.m. until 1 a.m just making a denture and it it was horrible so
0: <laughs> that was the it, worst. in my in my head i'm seeing you know you guys get shoved into this room and just getting you know locked and like you've got 24 hours get a denture made um uh,
1: kind of, i don't remember i mean it was either 24 hours or something very close yeah. to that but i was in the lab until one or two in the morning it was just it was awful and that's kind of when i was like i don't know if i can make dentures i don't know if mm. i can be around dentures okay
0: no, but it's a bit of too, mysterious yeah. art. Then the full dentures, full especially a bit of a mysterious art. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think I'm getting there, but I'm sure patients have something different to say.
1: Yeah, they um, might.
0: Yeah, so that is something maybe I did notice that you guys do a lot of kind of lab work, whereas we did mm-hmm. kind of simulation work with phantom heads using the drills, doing practice endos and things like that. Whereas you guys really hammer. Fixed prost work, removable prost work, making your own crowns, making your own dentures. Uh, we kind of went through it once. Go, this is how it's done, but you'll never do it, so don't bother. Uh, uh-huh. And then, and then we go, oh cool. And then we go into the, and we send it, send it to the lab. I send it to the lab. They'll sort it out. But like, I think that definitely gives you kind of a, a good step up. Um, you guys are just ready to really go for the really nice high end treatment as soon as you come out of uni. Um, did you f- kind of find that, that you, you went in and whatever patients are asking for, you were kind of like, yeah, I can do that. I know what I'm doing there.
1: Um, I think for the most part, most of what, you know, the patients that um, during general school wanted, I think uh, I could handle pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. And then in residency, it was pediatric dentistry. So mainly we're doing stainless steel crowns that are already formed, right. things like that. Um, but... You know, there's always patients who, you know, want different things or parents who now that, you know, I work mainly with children who may want different things. So you always have to yeah. kind of figure out how to improve your skills and kind of get ahead that way.
0: So maybe not as not applying so much to you because you went down the kid's route. Yeah. <laughs> um So for current dental students, hopefully we've got quite a few watching. um, What's your biggest tip to them guys? What's the biggest thing you could kind of, tell them to do or not do watch out for or not watch out for obviously this will be quite u.s bent and kind of the advice
1: right i would say you know dental school and i think this may be and correct me if i'm wrong wherever you go can be kind of like a pressure cooker if you let it and really stress you out and i think one thing i would do differently is You know, know when to take a break. Know when kind of enough for the day is enough. Like when I stayed to the lab um, doing dentures until one a.m. I don't think my dentures were any better. I just didn't know. You know, kind of when to call it quits for the night. So I would say Mm -hmm. it's okay to take a break, do something non-dental related for a couple of hours, or just you know take a nap or something like that, and come back to it with new eyes because you can see. A lot of things that you may have missed once you're, you know, tired and things like that. If you come back refreshed, I think it it helps a lot. And that's
0: something I didn't really do, but I think it would be really helpful. Mm, yeah. Maybe we tend to get tunnel vision when we're in there, going. Oh, I'm exactly. just going to look at this one tooth and this one tooth, and you're missing the huge mm-hmm. cavity on the seven or something. Um, so maybe one of those. So if you go back differently, having said what you'd said, any what go back to dental school what could what would you do differently essentially or would you all kind of did you kind of go through Um, the right
1: you know i think just take it day by day i'm the type of person who likes to plan weeks Mm. and years future take it day by day realize you know at the end of the day um doing the best that i can i'm so good at graduating be a dentist i'm on track i don't have to you know go crazy trying to figure out every detail and i think that would help kind of make dental dental school maybe the clinical years a little bit less stress-free because i would yeah. stress out about patients treatment plans and i think if i had just taken it day by day a little bit more um wouldn't have been so crazy those last two years
0: yeah i think everyone kind of gets caught on it up in it because you want to you want to pass but then yeah. you, don't, you don't you forget that you've got someone who's really experienced there who can, you can just ask go look i've thought about this what yeah. do you think okay. and you don't have to kind of like kill yourself every night thinking oh god do i need to do this do i need to do that you know exactly. there's plenty of people out there to ask so that's definitely something if uh, there's guys out there uh, and i know i answer questions quite a lot i mean i'm very new into the career so maybe not the best person to ask but i'll do my best uh, anyone in pediatric dentistry um or interested would you be happy to kind of take some questions from those guys
1: of course anytime pediatric dentistry i feel like it's a very tight-knit community so Mm -hmm. anyone who's interested always happy to to help and hear from
0: fellow tiny teeth doctors or those who would like to be ones and so kind of like yeah kind of like you joined the club a little bit early Mm -hmm. doors uh after dental school what was the what was this what was the route for you because you guys do you go straight into practice out, out in the real world or do you decide to do further training straight away or is it kind of depends?
1: So it depends. You can certainly, um, you know, I had classmates that knew they wanted to be private practitioners. So that's where they went right away. They've been very successful. Mm. Uh, I knew from starting dental school, uh, probably the second year I wanted to be a pediatric dentist. So I went right into residency, but you can do either one.
0: Yeah, so you kind of already knew you're going to do that so did you apply while you're still in dental school or was it a Mm
1: -hmm.
0: wait till you've qualified sort of job or how does it work
1: um so the application opens up i believe it's your you apply over the summer over your junior year of dental school and then you have interviews your senior year and you find out on match day in january so it's kind of like a year long process of figuring out where you want to go kind of We have hospital-based, school-based, and hybrid programs. So kind of looking into different types of
0: programs that you might want. And for those guys who are interested in doing that, what are the things that they need to be doing either before dental school, within dental school, and kind of leading up to the end of dental school that they need to be looking at to build their resume or their CV, as it were? What's what's those little bits that they need to kind of tick off? What do you reckon?
1: I would say definitely, um, you know, Meeting with the pediatric faculty at your school, joining if there's a pediatric dental study club, um, doing that, you know, going to the pediatric dental clinic, that's what I did when I didn't have a patient, I would be up there trying to shadow with patients, getting to learn, um, and also meet the faculty who may someday be writing you a letter of recommendation. Yeah. Um, also, in pediatric dentistry, if they're looking more at you as a person, rather than, you know. If you're at the top of your class or things like that, so things like volunteering and and all of that's really really important.
0: Right. So kind of the same things you almost did before you went into dental school. I think just kind right. of more um, of the same, maybe a little bit more targeted in the things that you're shadowing and the clubs that you're joining. Um, and then obviously once you get in, you go through the residency program. There'll be more exams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and when you kind of get out, what are the kind of things that you've been doing that, that you're doing day to day that's uh, kind of making your day good and etc. cetera, you know, things like that?
1: Um, so I'm out in group practice right now, which has been really nice since, you know, this is my first time really ever working in the real world as a dentist. So I'll talk about cases with my colleagues, which has been mm. helpful to, you know, review and get better. Um, but it's more, um, I'd say, the patient load increased significantly from what I saw in residency. So that's been good. I mean, the day goes by very, you know, very fast. And, I, and yeah. I love working with the children. So it's been good. It's been a good good transition.
0: And what kind of the most common issues your patients are having that you see? In the UK, we have a big issue with young children, kind of rampant caries, having to go under for general anesthetic. Not only is that very dangerous for them, but uh, obviously general anaesthetic comes at quite high cost. It's actually one of the biggest costs in in healthcare in the UK, um, which for some reason no one's looking at. But simple prevention would help. That is there something similar in the U- U.S. like a certain thing that's just the the elephant in the room, going why we're we not why we're we not dealing with that.
1: Um, I would say for kids, it depends. Kind of in certain um, pockets, you'll find rampant decay. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely saw more rampant decay when I was working um, as a resident than kind of out in the suburban population. Yeah, um, just a little bit different. There still are patients with rampant decay, but I think. Um, just educating parents and pediatricians in general. Here we like to say first visit to the pediatric dentist by first tooth or first birthday. So we get a lot of new patients that are three that already have some decay, whereas if we probably would have seen them when they were one, that wouldn't happen. So I think more of just increasing education to try to prevent those ramp areas.
0: So let's pretend that I'm a new parent. I'm not, but um, let's pretend I've got, you know, one in my here we are. Okay. There you go. <laughs> what what are you telling me on my first visit to the dentist with my child?
1: So on the first visit we'll do what's called a knee-to-knee exam. Yeah. So you'll lay your child in my lap. We'll look at the teeth. So we look at the teeth, what teeth are in. Are you kind of at age-appropriate milestones for getting teeth? Um, We talk about tooth brushing because uh, we like to promote brushing with a smear size of fluoride toothpaste as soon as the first tooth comes in. So we talk about nighttime routines. Diet is a big one. Following usage is a big one. Um, So it's mainly for the parent to kind of feel comfortable and go over their routine and educate them.
0: Yeah, in the UK, we've got like... um a couple of different formulations for toothpaste, is it the same in the US, uh, obviously the adults is over 1450 ppm for fluoride, so what are you kind of uh, advising for the kids or some some dentists over here will say just use a small amount of the adult toothpaste, some of them saying get one with a 900 um, and just give a pea sized amount or a smear, are you saying similar um, things? I-
1: as far as I know, I'm not sure, actually, if there's a difference in children's and adults. Hmm. We typically just recommend using the smear size, whether it's children's or adults. Usually, we say children's for it just because of the flavor. Right. Um, and not to use training toothpaste once the first tooth has worked. Because um, here, the training toothpaste has no you know, fluoride in it. So if the child wow. were to get some, I double the whole thing. There wouldn't be a concern of toxicity, but here we just have a very small. um the
0: logo's one, yeah. It? Uh thanks. Um Thanks. And then, in terms of bottles, are we talking free flow and and metered, or oh, was it uh, not metered? Um, the one where you have to suck it. I'm not sure what you would call that. Free flow is when it where it pauses, isn't it? And then the other one,
1: uh-huh. the
0: baby has to suck. I to know eat. what you're
1: talking about. I'm not sure the official name. Yeah. Is
0: uh is that some Um, of the things that you would kind of warn them about before they get on to um kind of giving them juices and hopefully not juices but you know milk in a cup and stuff like that
1: yes so our main concern with the bottle is uh, a child being put to bed with a bottle filled with milk or you know i've had people put chocolate milk in the bottle juice in the bottle because then Sugar sits on the teeth, and that will cause the decay, the baby bottle tooth decay. So that's where, you know, talking about nighttime routines and seeing what parents are already doing is really important. Um, After age one to age one to two, we start talking about using the different kinds of cups and things like that. Um, But for the bottles, we really try to get them to not...
0: Send them to bed with a bottle, or if they need to, if they absolutely feel like they need to, a bottle of water or something like that. Yeah, um, we I, I tend to say maybe some water or some you know plain milk, and that's pretty mm-hmm. pretty in the in the grand scheme pretty harmless. Um, so you've done that kind of early prevention side of things. When they then come in, you know they're starting to get uh, do you call them D's and E's in in the U.S. Uh, so primary, secondary molars, so the primary molars coming through at that stage, what you kind of starting to tell the uh, the parents and what the things you're looking for?
1: So when the primary, when they're starting to get all of their primary teeth, we're looking for, uh, you know, are they getting crowded or is there spacing in between the teeth and more about, you know, foods, what kind of foods are they eating? What kind of um, foods are they trying? Things like that kind of getting more into their diet um, just yeah. because. A lot of kids um you know that i see eat the fruit snacks eat things that are high in sugar so just kind of getting on that talking about those are fighting surfaces of the teeth with deep groups that are susceptible to um cavities unfortunately so it's yeah. really diet you know, education for a lot of patients
0: so yeah that's quite similar we have uh diet history sheets they have to do In one place I've worked, it was seven days. another, it was um, two, two, three consecutive days, but one of them had to be a weekend day to kind of get that range of what's happening at school, what's happening at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Those things that you're also doing as well, just to kind of get parents to think about what we're eating and when we're eating it.
1: So I wish we had a paper form. That sounds like a really Mm -hmm. good idea. Um, I usually just ask, you know, what does lunch look like for you guys? What does a school day look like? Um, what does your dinner look like? Trying to basically trying to get the information that's on that form, but yeah. you know, parents will tell me what they eat at grandma's house is a lot different than what they eat at my house or what they eat at school. So it's just trying to get as much information as you can. But those forms sound really nice.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll send one across to you once uh, I start <laughs> back up at work. I've got a couple of weeks off, but remind me and I'll get that sent across. And anyone else who wants that, then uh, yeah, just send me a, a message and I'll I'll get something sorted um the other thing that i was thinking to ask you is more on the sides of radiology for kids so what are your kind of rules that you're using over there is there any guidelines that you think are useful uh obviously that's going to differ country to country when you're taking your mm-hmm. first bite wings you know are you taking opgs or panoramics as a checking for development some places do some places don't what are your mm-hmm. thoughts
1: so i will say i'll tell you um, kind of what we have we have the american academy of pediatric dentistry has guidelines and yeah. they have a really good um guideline that kind of shows you for a new patient returning patient for patients for bite wings for example if their contacts are open so you know if you have a four-year-old with a lot of spacing, you know, i can visualize the contacts yeah. i'm not going to take you know bite wings uh, but if the contacts are closed if they're low risk um, maybe every two years if they're high-risk it may be yearly um, and it just depends on the risk and kind of what I see at my clinical exam yeah. to determine
0: what x-rays I may need and when do you, patient... first... oh, you take oh. your first bite wings that's uh, that's always a interesting question because it seems to differ very very significantly when you talk to different people
1: mm-hmm. um, you know I think it's based on and I think it will just because it's based on what you see Clinically and mm. what you see with the contacts and of course the behavior because I don't want to take bite wings on a child who's not going to be successful because the diagnostic information that I get yeah. won't be good. Anyway, so it's kind of with kids it's all those factors that you have to consider before you attempt to or, take the first Yeah, bite throw that little
0: thing in there and they start crying. <laughs> Uh, Sorry. <laughs>
1: what,
0: in fact on that on that note what's your little tip for getting the the bite wings taken quickly quietly and efficiently without having the tantrum
1: um so what i try to do is kind of give kids enough information that they know kind of what they're going to feel and what they expect so we talk about how breathing through their nose can help because that'll help settle the tongue and won't make them feel like they're gonna you know gag or anything like mm. that we try distraction, like playing um, Simon Says or wiggling their fingers, um, things I'm to, to like get their mind off now. of it. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm through um, my notes. Just trying to give them some information you know you're going to feel. One of the assistants where I work says they're going to bite down on a little cookie, so she'll right. explain it that way, um, just kind of using their imagination to help them cope with that experience. Of course, you'll always have some kids who you could do, you know, all the distraction all day it's still going to be a difficult, difficult the way but i find
0: that yeah. that helps fair enough and then to the uh panoramics I, really, I cut you off before no
1: that's okay um so for the panoramics um that i think is a very helpful x-ray for when you're in you know mixed dentition tissue when you have the six-year molars the laterals the centrals that are all permanent on the top and the bottom to kind of see um the positioning of the adult canines make sure yeah. that they're you know at an angle to come in look for any you know missing teeth see if there's any development of the thirds i think it um can be very helpful i think just timing of when you're going to take that picture will depend on a child's dental age and again yeah cooperation
0: so you are looking for those like l- little landmarks you know the uh first is poking through and you take those as as a routine x-ray then
1: i would say i take them frequently more i would say more often mm. than not just to Um, you know see if there's anything oral pathology wise look at the symmetry of the condyles, the shape of the mandible Um, it can give you a lot of um, i think good information
0: right that's interesting because we don't tend to take the panoramic as frequently as in in the uk part of that is Mm -hmm. a lot of the places don't have a pan a panoramic machine in the Um, in the surgery so a lot of the time those kind of patients get passed on to specialist clinics so maybe they they would take those uh in those cases where thinking there's a lot going on um but yeah well i don't i haven't tended to take so many unless i think there's some caries and we can't get uh some good bite wings taken uh so that's quite an interesting difference i think in some countries mm-hmm. as well with adults people take you know new patient pan which we would take bite wings and just check on right. things like that you know a little bit more um radiation aware maybe or Averse even Um, orthodontics obviously that's kind of a parallel profession to Mm -hmm. your own what kind of relationship do you have with those guys do you tend to have quite a close relationship obviously you you might be dealing with hyperdontia cases etc or you know the interesting ones what what happens in those situations do you have like multidisciplinary meetings etc so
1: the area that I work in is really great because there's a lot of really great orthodontists in that area. So usually in the practice that I'm working at, um, currently, we do the space maintainers. We'll do and loops. We'll do nanso appliances, uh, lower yeah. label holding arches, things like that. Um, but, you know, for the pool orthodontics and, you know, if they're teeth or they a canine that may need to be extracted, we'll let orthodontic, the orthodontist you know, give us the extraction order for that. So they were kind of in the driver's seat in terms of um, Driving the, the full workout plan, work. plan yeah. um, I would say. Um, But then in other offices, I know they have pediatric dentists and orthodontics that work in the same office. Yeah. So it just, it just kind of depends, I think.
0: Okay, so for a general dentist, what are the things that you want us to be looking for? Um, first of all, with kind of caries, etc., cetera, et cetera but also with the orthodontics, at what point are you going to tell us, all right, something needs to be done here?
1: Um, So I think in terms of caries, I think always, you know, being on the lookout for signs of caries, initial signs of caries, um, especially, you know, where the teeth touch together and on the occlusal surface, um, lifting the lip for um, first dental appointments for babies to look there, um, and then taking radiographs and trying to get you know the appropriate radiographs for kids. Yeah. Another thing I'd say is important for general dentists is to think about you know kind of restorative materials for kids. We use a lot of stainless steel crowns if there's large caries. Yeah, um, and that sometimes is a better material than using composites. So I think being aware on that and it's really important. And then for the braces, I would say if you have you know a kid with a posterior crossbite or an anterior crossbite in the primary teeth and you know um you know the permanent teeth are coming in they're still going to have that i would say that's something you really want to be on and Hmm. um, would probably be an earlier referral to an orthodontist just to have a look um things like that that you see in the primary dentition that you know once they start to get the permanent teeth it will be a problem down the line
0: do you guys use the aesthetic score in the iotn over there or is that more of a UK thing that we, we tend to use? I I don't I'm not familiar with it. Right. Uh, so I
1: I I can't say for sure, but for me personally, I'm not familiar with it.
0: So we we kind of have a, a classification system. It may well be an NHS thing, but I had I did wonder whether you guys used it or not. Uh, it just kind of goes through severity and kind of how bad something looks on the aesthetic side, and, and then the actual. Um, Impede if it's impeded eruption, it might be five I or something like that, or there, there might be a crossbite, uh, which would be an X, and then you've got all sorts of different, you know, con- t- contact point displacements, and then they give a different number for those. Um, well, no, that was just a, a thought that came into my head to see whether you guys kind of use the same sort of classification or not. No, I mean, not that I'm aware of
1: that we would use mm. for referral purposes or to know when to refer something. Um, but that doesn't mean you know somewhere else that they may not use something similar. I'm just not as familiar
0: with it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, do you guys have something of that of that nature at all? Not that
1: I'm aware of, no. But again, there I mean, may be... It's you know, different
0: it's everywhere, of it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. In terms of your work pers- on a personal level, what are the things you're doing to improve the quality kind of day by day or, or um, kind of rolling sort of time period? So the things that you're doing to kind of review the things you're doing, go, I could do this better, I could do that better. Have you got a system?
1: Um, so I like to, at the end of each day, kind of review the cases of the day and I'll write in my little paper chart, kind of put a star next to the once I kind of want to go through again. Mm. And I think that's a really good way to always be self-assessing. And then, like I said, I'm in a group practice, which is nice. So I can say, you know, this is what I did with this case. What would you yeah. do differently? What would you have done? Uh, that's been really, really helpful to help me grow and learn and also kind of review. I think being able to put your work and yourself
0: out there, I think it's important. an important way to grow. Right. So, I mean, it's probably different to kind of restorative side of things where I would tend to take loads of photographs and stuff like that. And then just like zoom in on things and go, ooh, looks a bit, need, need mm-hmm. more polishing, zoom back out. Um, it, it's similar things that go on in kids dentistry as well.
1: Um, yeah, so there's uh, some pediatric dentists, actually another um, doctor in my practice likes to take a lot of clinical photos. I yeah. want to start doing that um, I need to kind of get better at my dental photography skills. Um, but I think that's a really good way to also, you know, if you take radiographs every two years, you may be seeing your work at that time. And then clinically yeah. every six months when they come in, you'll be taking a look at it. But I think, yeah, photography is definitely a great way to, you know, kind of instantly see things that you may not see with
0: just your you know just your eyes yeah so that's that's quite interesting actually because it's always interesting to hear what other people are doing to kind of step up the game and kind of take it to the next level um on similar sort of note what are your kind of next steps in the profession what do you see yourself doing in the next five and ten years
1: um, so definitely, I think uh, the group practice setup is good for me. So I'd like to stay in private practice, but I'm mm. also really interested in teaching. I liked all of those experiences when I was in dental school. So I'm going to start spending time back at the dental school and the pediatric department helping teach there, which I think is nice. Yeah. So, you know, getting more involved in that and then just, um, you know, learning more, taking more CE and just trying to become a more well-rounded pediatric dentist, I think,
0: um kind of my first five years out okay fair, yeah i think probably similar to a lot of people in that situation you know just find your feet a bit and then add little bits in as as you go along mm-hmm. um you said you had a few de- tips for for general dentists, kind of to do with trauma maybe behavior management um and maybe importance of baby teeth but that was more kind of to geared towards our parents maybe i think we i would hope we know having gone through dental school but what are your, uh-huh. uh, what are your tips then for the uh, trauma side of things to start with?
1: So for the trauma side of things, I think it's important to always take a really good history, you know, for um, a kid who comes in with trauma, always ask about, you know, who, what, when, where types of questions. Always make yeah. sure you rule out if they have a concussion, anything like that. And then just kind of knowing what to expect because treatment for trauma differs if it's a baby tooth versus an adult tooth. For example, yeah. if you adult, also baby tooth you're not going to put that back in but if you have also an adult tooth then you have a very short timeline window that you want to get that tooth back in um and then always you know if a kid has a chin hits their chin you always want to check you know to make sure the condyles are okay and things like that so i think getting a good history and kind of being comfortable taking the radiographs you may need yeah. for trump i think some really really a good skill that a general dentist could have
0: what are the most common Maybe not mistakes that you've seen, because obviously you're quite young in the profession. Yeah, I'm jumping over my words there. Uh, similar to myself, but maybe that people who are a little bit more experienced have told you, "Look, this is what we might see from a general dentist, and we're going to have to sort this out." What are those kind of bits that we miss? Obviously, we'd rather not miss miss them. Right.
1: Um, you know, I think uh, general dentists can do a great job because let will start with that. This time, but I think again, thinking about you know um, behavior management with kids, restorative Mm. dentistry with kids, um, you know, the types of materials, like I said, the stainless steel crowns are used very, at least in America, very commonly for large, um, cavities on posterior molars. And I've seen some, um, you know, large cavities covered with composite and then you get the recurrent decay and things like that. So I think just thinking about restorative dentistry for pediatric patients as being something that's Different from adults, um, and so not everything that's done with adults will work with children. Mm. We um, tend to use a lot of
0: glass ionomer. Yeah, we use, um, we tend to use quite a lot of glass ionomer. Is that something that you are in favor mm-hmm. of, as opposed to using a, a full blown composite restoration?
1: I think glass ionomer can be very, you know, very good. I think it's a good diagnostic almost when you have a tooth with deep decay you put a sedative filling with glass ionomer and then you wait and see you know is the tooth going to be stable or is it going to then you know have irreversible pulpitis and this is a tooth that we could pull. So sometimes in residency we would place glass ionomers and kind of wait and watch that tooth for about three months. Right. Um, but I also think you know if you need a temporary filling or the kid has a deep um you know cavitation then you can kind of scoop out the soft decay and put a glass yeah. ionomer over, it. especially for really young kids, I think you know that's helpful.
0: Okay. Um and behavior management side of things, where do you start?
1: <laughs> where to start with behavior management? So I think um, you know we have things like tell-show-do. Where I'll tell the patient what we're going to do. Like let's say we're using an explorer. So I'll tell them yeah. this is my tooth counter, show it to them, and then I'll count on my hand with it to show them how it works, and then I'll do it in their mouth. So yeah. things like that are helpful. Imagery is really helpful. You know when you're cleaning out a um, cavity with the the, the high speed. Drill. you can say, you know, this is my water brush, you're gonna hear it whistling, things like that, that describe more of the feeling than what's actually happening, I think are helpful. Um, we also use nitrous, um, oral sedation, like you said, um, if it comes to it, then general anesthesia, unfortunately, but that's not where we would go first,
0: yeah, 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 you try and get things sorted before, you know, with the least amount of invasive procedures exactly. possible, yeah. Um, and then very quickly, importance of baby teeth, for any parents listening. I'm sorry Sorry. for any any parents listening the importance of baby teeth because a lot of i've heard this you know from some patients where they say uh or other their parents say oh but it's only the baby teeth they they don't matter so what's your what's your thoughts
1: (laughs) i think they're very important baby teeth are important because they have a space for your adult teeth which is very very important they you know help you form words the front baby teeth you know, having baby teeth that don't hurt kind of helps kids feel better about themselves. It helps them go to school. They're not distracted by pain. Um and, you know, I think uh, you know, any infection that's in the baby tooth that then gets down into the nerve and causes infection in the bone can can hurt the adult tooth. So I think baby teeth are really, really important yes, they fall out, but while they're in the mouth, they're, you know, a vital um a vital thing that we need to help preserve, you know, arch space and all of
0: that. I yeah. love teeth <laughs> Touching on school there, actually, I ha- I did hear one kind of story, anecdote a little bit, where someone, you know, a little one was in pain for quite a while and they couldn't quite work out where it was coming from. When they eventually did remove that tooth, I think it got to the point where they just wanted a shot of it, essentially, but kind of the behaviour in school picked up and grades, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Is that something that you see more regularly, obviously you see a lot of kids. So is that something that you're kind of aware of?
1: Yeah, yes. So when I was in residency, I had a patient like that who came in, his face was swollen, you know, he'd been in pain um, and he wouldn't smile, he wouldn't look at you, he wouldn't do anything. Um, so we brought him back after, you know, gave him a course of antibiotics mm. to get the spelling, swelling down. We brought him back and we took the two thousand out, saw him for a fall, but he was literally a different kid. He was happy, you know, would look me in the eyes, was smiling. So, I mean, kids, you know, kids know what's going on. and I think it's in our best interest when they're in pain, you know, even if we don't see anything, so to kind of listen to them and help them figure it out.
0: Okay, yeah, that's a lot of, would you see say, pediatric dentistry almost? Or is on more of a psychological side of things as opposed to just the dental side as well?
1: I think I, mean, I think so kind of in a, in yeah. a way, um, just the way that we talk to kids and the way that we interact with them and try to make it so I always think when I see pediatric patients, it's kind of my job to get them ready to go to the general dentist when they're an adult and not be afraid of the dentist not have yeah. those. Uh, you know, really, some people have deep-seated fears of the dentist, and so it's my responsibility to try to make it a positive experience for so them when they do go to the adult dentist that they're not scared and they're not they don't avoid dental care and things like that.
0: Yeah. Um, what almost? Uh, what do you think they obviously we we all see some quite hilarious children, uh, and they say all sorts of different things. I've had some where um I was actually seeing the mum and then I'd ask her oh, do you drink alcohol do you smoke at all and mum had gone, no 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 nope, zero alcohol zero smoking and the little boy in the in the corner just shouted out oh but what was what about that pack of 20 you had last week um, <laughs> and stuff like that do you do you get a lot of different things what's kind of the funniest thing that you've heard uh, come out of a kid's mouth um you
1: know just a lot of different things. I had one kid that we put a stainless steel crown in, and the next time I saw him, he told me that he could see the moon in his tooth. Like just, they're just saying such such funny things. That I had one kid uh, dressed up as Spider Man, and he would tell me every time Spider Man was coming to his dental appointment, they just say. I mean, they just say whatever's on their mind. They mm. will say things. Parents will say things, and then the child will correct the parent. Um, one little girl told me that her dad used everyone else's floss and everyone else's toothbrush, and I was like, I don't know if that's true or not. That's really a really weird thing to say. So just anything you can think of, yeah.
0: they'd say. Uh, you get Bye. quite a few with the, oh, no, we don't give them any sweets. We don't give them any any sugary juice drinks. And they're like, Mom, do I still get a Coke when I get out? Um, and he's like, really? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, they're,
1: kids are very honest. They're very honest.
0: I have to give them that. Yeah. They're honest. <laughs> um, what's kind of your favorite thing that someone a, a child has said to you after you finished some treatment? Kind of just like hit you to the core almost. Um, one little girl. We just finished. We did do kind
1: of four quads of dentistry at the last appointment. Mm-hmm um she gave me a picture that she drew of me and her and that was just i mean that just really touched my heart because she you know took her time to make that and it just Mm -hmm. i don't know it really really touched me because it was something that she took time to do and um just made me feel good it was really sweet
0: yeah so i I think you'll get quite a few of those in working in uh, the kids though um they're always quite good i actually left a practice for those guys who've been following me on Instagram, etc. I left my current practice. and starting up in a new one. Uh, I took two teeth out on a, a little nine-year-old girl, and she cried. But then, what I didn't <laughs> expect was when it was time to kind of get up and go, uh, the mom was like, "Are oh, you like him? He's leaving. Do you want to give him a hug?" And I was like, "I did not expect that." And she was just like, going, i was like, oh wow, uh, I didn't expect that at all." Because then he's seen her three or four <laughs> times, and it does kind of hit you a little bit. So yeah uh maybe it was uh it definitely wasn't expecting it's like wow um you really think how much you're impacting someone there because obviously she'd been in pain and she realized that we'd sorted her out quite quite efficiently and quite well i hope um moving on from the dentistry though uh what are the little bits that you are doing kind of outside of work, in your free time? What what are the things that get, get your mind off work? I know you said you tend to overthink a little bit, I think that's yeah. the right thing, so what gets you out of the zone?
1: Um, so I really like being outside in nature, so finding new places to go hiking. Um, we have a lab, so taking her outside is always really fun. I like traveling, yeah. we recently came back from Italy and now we're trying to plan our next trip. So that's been a lot of fun and then just hanging out with friends and family and trying new restaurants and and things like that just anything to kind of you know get away get out to a new place yeah. or out in nature i think is really important to help me kind of clear my mind and things like that
0: did you go to rome when you were in i Europe? did i went to rome yes. i'm going tomorrow
1: <laughs> you're going thing. to
0: rome tomorrow yeah massive coincidence there i didn't think this was going to come up <laughs> uh yeah what, what things um, should i be looking out for in rome then We
1: We mainly did the big um things like we did the Coliseum. There's a restaurant Mm. right across the street from the Coliseum that you you can eat at night and watch the Coliseum be lit up. That's really cool to see. Uh, there's a main square, there's really good gelato everywhere we went around there was really good. It's kind of at least I would have
0: thought, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's true. You can't go wrong really anywhere. Really good food in Rome. Mm. Really, really good food in Rome.
0: No, so you take, do a lot of photography. What kind of things are you into uh, with your photography? Is it just landscapes or do you, you know, take different, different types of photographs?
1: Um, Mainly landscapes. I mean, I'm not as proficient with it. I got an icon um, and I'm trying to learn how to use it, but mainly landscapes at this point.
0: Okay, nice. Uh, I suppose you can maybe use that in in work as well at some point. That's Uh, what I'm
1: hoping. I'm hoping to get a, some lighting and then take it to work and yeah, that, take that's,
0: some good. that's what happened with mine. I bought same as you. I bought a Nikon um, fifty six hundred D fifty six hundred Uh, but I bought it really early, just as I finished university, and I had a good ten months off. So I was like, oh yes, I'm buying this for work, and then it went traveling. Right. I took loads <laughs> and loads of photos, sense. and then I have used it for work, but maybe not as much as I should. Um, right. But definitely, it's a great hobby to get into, but. Love little, bit, a little yeah. bit, expensive, really, isn't it? There's so many things that you can yes. you can get, and oh, I need mm-hmm. that now. Oh, I need that now. Do I need this? Do I need right. that? Yeah. Right. Um, where's your next trip planned to then?
1: We don't. We haven't settled yet. So my husband really wants to go to Ireland mm. and England, and I
0: really want to go to Japan. So that's completely opposite <laughs> end of the and... spectrum, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does he have some Irish blood or something? Is is that why he's keen on going?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's quite it's, common. Yeah, it's quite common over there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely come to the UK. That's what I'll say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's
1: uh, true.
0: <laughs> so, other than those little bits and pieces, you know, spend time with friends and family. That's kind of what everyone would say, I suppose. Anything yeah. that's kind of out there that you do that gets your mind off things that maybe is a little bit more quirky. Gosh, we're digging deep here. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know. I can't think. I don't. I don't know if I do anything quirky. I'm gonna have to think now. Do you do anything quirky to get your mind off
0: dentistry? Uh, probably not, to be honest. I mean, uh, a lot. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of the the Instagram stuff, so maybe that that keeps my mind off things. I, I get to talk yeah. to lots of different people. That's maybe something that I've quite enjoyed. You know. Um, I suppose that's a little bit quick. It's not an everyday sort of thing that everyone's doing, but, yeah. Why not? Yeah, Uh, so nothing really there then. Right, so we've got a few, (laughs) (laughs) we've got a few kind of fun questions towards the end. Uh, Okay. Do you have a favourite conspiracy theory?
1: Yes, so, um... I do. I answered that probably a little bit too fast. But there's a report in Denver, Colorado, and there's a lot of um, conspiracy theories around that. So yeah. a lot of people think it's owned by the Illuminati and that there's an underground city underneath for when the world ends, that's where all the members of the Illuminati are going to go. There's also a blue horse statue outside that people think is like looks like kind of like a devil horse and it actually killed its sculptor so people think it's like possessed so that's probably my favorite conspiracy theory just because i've never heard of so many conspiracy theories around just an airport Uh,
0: so this airport (laughs) it's got a city underneath the airport well
1: that's what people think i'm not sure but people think that it does and then there's all these weird mosaics there um or paintings there there's a bunch of weird stuff about there's like 20 different
0: conspiracy theories just with that airport <laughs> so around Which this airport weird. there's been a whole kind of like mythology set up. that's 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 crazy mm-hmm. that is uh I know. wow uh, I, I don't even know what to say to that <laughs> <laughs> um, It's
1: bizarre.
0: yeah uh, that's a good one that that's a really good one um the next question that we're asking everyone is what's your pet peeve the thing that really winds you up and this doesn't have to be something within work it could be Outside work anywhere. One um, really, really kind of innocuous thing that just just really grinds the gears.
1: I think when people tap their pens or their pencils really loud, I don't know why, but that like tapping noise, mm. it just really bothers. Like even now, just talking about it really bothers me. <laughs> but I never say anything to anyone about it because so I'm like that'd be totally crazy if I just flipped out over them.
0: So Tapping when did that <laughs> when did that start? Was this a, this a you sat in an exam and there's a guy next to you just going smashing his pen down? You know, around. probably. It... Mm.
1: I can't remember one instance, but I know um, at least in college we took written exams, so probably at that time when I was trying to really focus and someone just was oh attacking their pen <laughs> or pencil, I don't know. But right.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I I can see how that would be annoying. Actually, you know. Just that incessant sort of click 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 exactly. it need to stop It's like the ticking of clocks, and people just hate it. Um, I hope I've not started another one there for you
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so imagine we were to finish this interview and you step outside and you find a lottery ticket on the floor and you've won like ten million dollars or something. Do you continue what what do you do? Do you continue with work or? Uh are you off on a, a long, far long holiday for a couple of years?
1: No, I think I would continue working. I really, really like pediatric dentistry. I really like where I work and the patients. Um, I would probably do more travelling. It would enable mm. me to travel more, you know, would enable me to get rid of my student loans, which would be really helpful. Um, but I would probably still work and just add in travelling, maybe do submission trips. That would be something that I would be interested in. Mm. But um, I think, you know, work is nice and it keeps you busy. It keeps your mind active. So,
0: so what do you do with I'd the money then? Let's, let's hear the, what would I do let's with hear the it? juice. Yeah. Let's hear the juice. Um,
1: I would probably pay off my student loans. That would be number one on the list. And then probably if anyone else in my immediate family had student loans, pay off their student loans. Not sure if they still have them or not. And then go on vacation probably actually maybe to Ireland and Japan in <laughs> one trip.
0: At the, at the same time i don't somehow. know yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah at the same time um i don't know because it's just so much money i don't even know mm. i don't even know what you would do with that i mean what would you do with 10 million it's one of those
0: where you go is it enough that you don't need to work or are you going to blow through it and you still need to work do you know it's one of those i'd probably invest it i think, I think i'd think i have some funding some little projects um mm-hmm. and pro- probably fail quite spectacularly with them and then just continue <laughs> Um,
1: That is true. I mean, you don't know if they will last you your whole life. Yeah,
0: because these guys, you know, athletes and stuff, they have huge pay packets and then you hear they're all broke after about two years after they finish. Um, That's true. Another good question. You're throwing a dinner party. Who are the four people you invite and why? And this could be absolutely anyone, dead or alive.
1: or alive
0: probably more more Um, well-known people because we're not going to know your mom and stuff like that so
1: that's true (laughs) that's true um I would invite Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac because that's my favorite band I think she's just the neatest person in the whole world um who else would I invite probably all of Fleetwood Mac but
0: we'll take them as one of the four then
1: okay one of the four Probably Michelle Obama because she's so, she just seems so interesting and cool mm. and hip. And we probably have some really good conversations. Ellen DeGeneres because she's really funny and we probably, you know, keep everything, everyone laughing and things like that. And then my last one, mm, golly, I want to say James Corden because I like his in-car karaoke, but I yeah. don't know.
0: But that's would like he, the he first that group? What do you feel with that group, do you think? Huh. Would he fit with that group that you've set up there? That's what I mean. I don't
1: know if he would be kind of the odd man out, but for some reason I kept thinking him, so clearly I want
0: him at my dinner party. So you've got <laughs> two very, very good presenters, maybe throwing the banter around, someone singing in the corner. Right. Uh and right. Who's the other one that you had, uh Michelle Obama telling everyone, you know, inspirational stuff.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um yeah, I think that's kind of the, the bulk of the questions I was going to ask you. Anything you've got for me?
1: Um, I'm kind of curious. So you as a general dentist, what advice, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go plug my, my phone in, but what advice do you have for a pediatric dentist? Because you see, you know, adult patients that we maybe saw as um, children. So what would you recommend for pediatric dentists as a general dentist?
0: I think it's quite an interesting question. It's going to be a very different answer to maybe guys in the u.s what you you would kind of get from them uh because Uh i i see everyone so i'll see from birth to to death essentially that that's my patient cohort and then the difficult ones that's the ones that we send out so it's a bit of a different system really uh whereas you Uh guys you go and see the pediatrician and then you go and see an adult dentist so um for us I think we had, we had a study day, a CE day, as you guys call it. Um, and I asked a similar question actually, but the opposite way around. So I th- I don't think I have a good answer for you because, uh, I probably need a few more years experience, but, um, maybe from my point of view, I would want more guidance as to what things they definitely want to be seeing, uh, and when, because I think we tend to maybe refer things a little bit too late. Mih cases, things like that. I think we we have pretty good handle on those. We we send them as soon as we kind of see the uh, the molars coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more maybe malocclusion, things like that. I don't really know when the best time mm-hmm. is to send them. In the UK, we do um, quite late referrals. So when everything's all the adult teeth are through, then we send it for referral. We don't tend to mm-hmm. do so much interceptive kind of orthodontics. So. That would be quite okay. interesting to kind of get some more clarification on us, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting, that's kind of an interesting perspective. I mean, I know General dentists here, do see some pediatric patients mm. as well, but it sounds kind of similar things of when to, um, when to refer. I feel like that's a, always our, you know, always a question. Yeah. Um, and then I have one, one more question for you. What's, What's the, the weird? Because be you see adult, adult patients. patients, so I want to know, know what, what them the them weirdest them thing them or the most bizarre thing an adult patient or any patient has said to you, or if yeah. you have a funny story
0: about a a patient um, of yours. Um, I had I've been threatened to be bitten before. That was that was an interesting one. <laughs> oh my so gosh! Lady From stormed, an adult? Yeah, she was like forty-five. She storms in and she's like, "You're gonna sort me out. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do that." If you don't do it right i'm gonna bite you i was like no you won't i'm not gonna see you <laughs> essentially yeah. and then she just quietened down a little yeah. bit i was like this is my first week of working after dental school as well so i was like a little bit green but i was like oh yeah. god what have i got myself into this yeah so we had that one um but to be honest most of my patients have been really really good we have the odd one here Love and it. there who's a little bit angry about having to pay up front with things um but i think that's kind of the way i say it to them is you know you pay up front for a flight, you're going to pay up front for your treatment as well.
1: <laughs> True.
0: That's
1: a good way of phrasing it, though.
0: I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Um, yeah, I've, my patients have been on the whole pretty good, really. They, they do say some funny things. Um, i trying to think off the top of my head. You tend to get a lot of life stories. You, you know, you sit them back and then it's like they're in the therapist chair and kind of everything that's worrying them comes out. So... I probably can't share some of those things, but, uh, that's quite, uh, that, that is quite one of the, the good parts of the, the job, I think. Uh, but yeah, probably the, probably the biting ones, the, the one that comes to mind going, that was, that was a interesting day.
1: Yeah, I'd <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: mm, yeah. That was a, a little bit of a shock. It's like, okay, I've got to really have my head screwed on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, anything that you wanting to plug? got your instagram which i'm going to pop in the comments uh, the description underneath the video so guys can come and follow you ask you questions you know um sure anything else that you're plugging the last lady obviously she had a uh, a blog that she was doing so have you got anything along those lines that you want to drop in there and talk about
1: um i wish i did body, but i don't i recently started a all pediatric dental focused instagram that's more geared okay. towards like parents and even you know dental students looking for pediatric information and it's small teeth, underscore big world. And so that's pediatric only information um, that you know, can be used to share or for just general knowledge. Yeah. Um, but other than that, that's it pretty no, much. We'll, we'll stick that uh,
0: in the comments, uh, not in the comments, in the description below. So guys, make sure that you're definitely following Jordan and uh, yeah, thank you for coming on, it's been a pleasure uh some really interesting things that we've me. gone through there uh i think i have to say please comment like subscribe is it like comment and subscribe i've still not got the hang of it uh but thank you everyone for joining us and stay tuned for the next episode it might be another week or so as i'm going away as we just spoke about but we've got a couple of really good guests lined up so stay tuned guys If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider joining the Dentist of Premium server on Patreon. Uh, There are a number of great benefits, and I hope to see you on there soon. And
1: thank you for, for watching the channel, and make sure to tune in next time. Thank you.